Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ciao, Bella. Coming to you from the Italian Riviera. I don't know if there is one. Guess where I am. Where are you? Have I even told you? Puglia. Are you in Puglia? Gorgeous, gorgeous Puglia. Where you recorded a pod, a fair few pods from once upon a time. I was there when we interviewed Alexis Nyers, which I always forget that we did. Same. <laughs> I find really funny. I love that girl. I know. I want to rewatch the bling ring. It's really funny that we have all these interviews in the backlog that we've just forgotten ever happened. She's one of the main ones that I think was like the most hilarious, hilarious get. But also just people like I'll, I'll just see Evan Ross Katz posting stuff on Instagram. And I'm like, oh, that's right. We had him on the pod or even Hayley Narman. I always read her Substack still and forget that we have had her on the pod. Me too. She did a she did a uh, a Substack the other day about personal style, which I only skimmed, but it was very interesting because she was basically saying that like everyone, the reigning wisdom is that to have good personal style, it needs to be consistent. But she thinks that that's a lie. Yeah, I like that. No one is consistent. It was very liberating. <laughs> exactly. That's what I think my issue is, as I think that I'm always just like, I'll buy shit and then be like, wait, what even is that? Doesn't go with any. Yeah. I think that I don't have a specific consistent style. So I feel like I'm not stylish, but as you often will say, just buy what you like and then who fucking cares and put, and put just random shit together. But I think it's just about knowing how to style pieces together is the main thing yeah and like it's consistent it's consistently you if you're picking it when you like it but we just over we just overthink too much yeah I think I I think I did a classic I need to take a what is the fucking saying take a leaf out of my own book but what's the one for like medicine sip of my own medicine I don't yeah yeah a sip of your own with that, because I'm pretty sure I cancelled my subscription to a Substack, even though I love it. 
and then I was trying to get in the other day because she did a she did a really good click not clickbait but really good kind of teaser of someone being like how much fighting in a long-term relationship is quote-unquote normal oh a can of worms from Haley. she does really good q a's um like answers people's stuff i think my problem with Substacks is i just get i know the feeling i sub i unsubscribe i go through periods because they just come in too often they need to be like monthly <laughs> I'm like, I can't read all this once a week. I know I have way too many newsletter subscriptions. And yeah, then I get on, I open my inbox in the morning and there's like 300 emails and I'm like, get out of here. Yes, leave me. And then you resent them. You're yeah. like, leave me alone. I'm busy. <laughs> That's how I get, I'm, I'm, I get Leandra Medine was one for some reason still. Same. I never read it. Neither. I don't. I, I understand theoretically the like recommendations clothes newsletter where you say I wore this outfit here's like it in different whatever different price points or different things where you can buy it but I'm always like do people really do that <laughs> obviously yes yeah I guess so um but anyway we should carry this on on patreon because last week on the patreon we were doing a deep dive into what to wear for summer which is only relevant kind of if you're here in this hemisphere but I guess it will be relevant to everyone else in like six months but also so many people are going on euro summer holidays and we started a long rambling chat about it which needs to be finished we've had some requests for summer sandals of which I just bought a pair and also I want to delve into summer or just in general wedding dress guest Wedding guest dress attire. The never-ending queue. I have, yeah, I have some thoughts on that, actually. I came close to buying something quite questionable yesterday as a wedding guest, but I left left her behind. I know, and we need to hear about wedding dresses. (laughs) But um, we have to talk about, desperately, wait, what should we speak about first? We have to talk about, let's run you girls through the dock. Yeah. And just like that, I think we should leave till the end, maybe. I feel like that will take up the majority of the episode. Yeah, things take longer than we expect and then we have to go. But Should we go and just like that and talk about the sub- submarine last if we can? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's talk about the submarine now and then and just like that. But then we have Glastonbury's chat. Oh my God, it's just... A full, a full and bountiful list. Let's talk about the submarine quickly. So anyone who's not across it can learn, can learn some things. Can learn. Can learn. learn. But I was like, don't know, not online. And I guess was just hearing about the submarine at the wedding. I was very obsessed with this story as was everyone. And then I was curious as to why I and the whole world was so obsessed with it. And I think it's just, it's a mixture of, A, I think it's almost everyone's worst nightmare in this like primal way to be like trapped in a tiny cage at the bottom of the ocean. There's just something so like sinister and terrifying about that. And the fact that there was this, there's X amount of oxygen left. Will they make it? Are we going to watch this thing happen? You know, it was, everyone was part of this horrific kind of movie like plot line in real time. And yeah. then the Titanic. 
factor, I think, because everyone also is obsessed with the Titanic. And the fact that they were billionaires. Yes. I have to say, if I was a billionaire, I would spend $375,000 to see the Titanic, but I would not get in that fucking little tin can. You could not pay me. When I saw pictures of that thing, I was like, like, what? It looked like it had been made in the 1940s. (laughs) You're like, this ain't no private jet. This ain't no, like, Titanic style. Yeah, why did it look like that? I kept thinking about, like, as as we all are, big fan of Titanic, the movie. (laughs) But James... Yes. Big fan. But you know, he like he went down all the time in the nineties in these hyper sophisticated looking sub things like appears at the start of the movie. So I just thought, how is it possible that twenty five, thirty years on from that, this is what billionaires are taking on a tourism escapade yeah it's like we're we're six months away from ai like killing us all but we haven't got a chic submarine yet (laughs) they're just like writing plot for and just like that season three instead of doing anything like worthwhile like making cute (laughs) submarines i mean it's there's like a few things going on obviously in the sense that like there's weird there's a weird billionaire eat the rich schadenfreude, I think, where people were being a bit a bit too flippant and jovial about it on Twitter in a way mm. that was gross. But at the same time, as you have mentioned in the doc, this was far more disgust than like a horrendous, heinous, far more fatal tragedy off the coast of Greece. Yeah, on like the same day. Fucking refugees. Yeah, yeah. Which no one heard about. Yeah, and the Greek authorities just let them drown. Like they said, they said that they, they literally said that they went up to see if they needed help, and the drowning people said, "No, no, we want to carry on to Italy," and then they just left them and let them drown. Like it's fucking, it's fucking hideous. That happens way more than any of us would like to think it does especially in europe i was listening to my only news source the guardian podcast about something like this but they literally that happens in the french english channel all the time Mm -hmm. people in these like horrific human trafficking boats capsize a lot of the time the people on the boats have like iphones and they're close enough to the shore that they can call coast guards and the coast guards on each country will ping pong back and forth and be like it's not our problem not our problem not our problem and they're literally people drowning in the ocean in like the dead of night yeah it's horrendous so that's a very fair did critique. you mean to say human trafficking when you said that what did i say you said human trafficking but does that mean does that mean like refugees um yes yeah oh, okay i mean i guess human trafficking is more for like yeah 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 nice just checking i was like human trafficking like they're all being stolen as sex slaves but they've still got their iphones yeah probably (laughs) put it past them um yeah what else to say about the submarine there's so many like think pieces coming out afterwards which are really funny like just people being like not think pieces but you know how after a tragedy just anyone wants any kind of story like I was reading this piece about someone who 
nearly went on it <laughs> and then someone else who <laughs> they were just like I got offered a spot on it but I said no and then someone else who went on who's been on one that and survived and then talked about that whole experience and I was like why do I care so much yeah it's there's something there's there's something about the Titanic obviously the Titanic just continues to let loom large in all our lives and will forever the titanic and princess diana's death those are yes the two defining events of the last 500 years (laughs) but there's something about that idea that these these super wealthy people died purely because the titanic there's something really kind of sinister and mystical about it i don't know like i just keep i keep thinking about the the bottom of the ocean floor and how it's got all that like creepy 1920s like plates and chandeliers and all of that stuff and then these billionaires 100 years later going down i fully forgot as well that the star of the titanic is that happening which i know you just said but i was just properly thinking about the scenes in my head yeah that's... Yeah, and you remember it's super high tech and big and like, uh, but is that fake? It's like a little no. spaceship. I it must be, I guess. But James Cameron, the famous anecdote is that James Cameron did so many dives. He's like a nut about this deep sea exploration and was obsessed with the Titanic. And he said later he only pitched the movie because he just wanted to have an excuse to keep going down there more and more because he was obsessed with it. And he famously spent more time, like, exploring the Titanic than the people who were on the Titanic spent aboard the Titanic because he's been down there 20 times or 30 times or something. So I'm like, the fact that he did that so long ago safely is just really confusing to me. But that this was, like, a really scat weird. (laughs) It also feels weird that there hasn't been already a movie made about this going wrong this why have we got so many rocket movies what, since since last no, where's lifetime <laughs> when you need them no like in general about yes a sub submarine disaster there's so many plane disasters there's so many like rocket disasters i think actually this Space. is part of the curiosity is that none of us believe submarines exist in my head, I'm like, what? Like, what is up with submarines? They're crazy. <laughs> They're so scary and weird. Apparently, there's a movie coming out or just came out called The Iron Lung that has a really similar plot. And someone tweeted, <laughs> this tweet was so funny. Someone tweeted, killer whales are capsizing yachts and four wealthy men voluntary, voluntarily live action role played the plot of Iron Lung at 12,000 feet below sea level. <laughs> seeking less than a porthole view of one of the most haunted wreckage sites in maritime history the ocean's depths yearn for the rich and their possessions it's true yeah it's like a little mermaid mother nature wants to eat the rich yeah so what were you going to say would you go on the submarine i in theory it is something i would like to do more than like space travel for example really like I'd- yeah, I'd be more interested in seeing the Titanic than seeing, like... Oh, actually, no, that's an insane thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm more, like, drawn to deep-sea diving than, like, outer space as a concept. 
Yeah. Um, but I think I would, I would freak, I would freak out and not do it last minute. I'm fucking so scared of the ocean. I'm such a baby. Mm-hmm. I never used to be. And then you realize how big and strong it is. And I feel like I'm a, such a weak swimmer for someone from New Zealand. I just don't know. One time I won the like freestyle competition, but it wasn't, the pool was widthways, not lengthways. <laughs> So I just dived in and went underwater the whole way and then won. And I was like, I won. And I was so happy. And then my mom was like, yeah, all you did was fucking dive. Like she just like wouldn't let me off the hook because she was just like, shut the fuck up. You don't know how to swim. So I don't know. It's all quite scary to me, but I do love the ocean and its creatures. Like I low-key love (laughs) sharks and dolphins and fish and but it's just scary. I think I'd like it's feel so really scary. claustrophobic. I don't think I would even be able to dive to to do diving, especially after no, listening neither. to Case File. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was literally thinking the same thing. Definitely not with a with a fresh husband. Yes, it's not going to be on my honeymoon doing a deep sea dive. I'm terrified of the bends as well. I just know I'd get the bends. What's the bends? The bends is when you zoom up too fast and then you're like permanently fucked in the head. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Something would go wrong. Is that not the exact kind of thing that would happen to me? Like we'd all get back in the boat. I just be like. (laughs) Yeah. I'd have the worst case of the bends ever recorded. Probably. Yes. A vegetable. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I I feel like I just feel like my ears also get really sore when you go on mm-hmm. planes and when you things like that. Like when I skydive, I was like, oh, my ears need a pop, and it's just like not being able to enjoy the the fear or the pleasure of jumping out of a plane because my ears were hurting too bad. I can't believe you skydive. I can't believe it either. That's what I mean. I used to you be so, so fearless. Mm-hmm. This is what I've always said. You have to skydive. You have to skydive, bungee jump, and live in New York before you're like 24. Seriously, before as soon you're like as 22. that prefrontal cortex kicks in. Yeah. No. Yes, actually, yes. <laughs> That's it. That's probably mm-hmm. it. Now I now I'm like I'm too old and scared to even learn how to surf, and I have like this other life where I feel like I would be really good at surfing, but I'm just like too scared. Even like the slightest wave, a tiny wave. I'm like, get me out of here. It's funny because I really consider myself like not at all beachy. But then when I think about growing up in Perth, we <laughs> we would go to the beach after school and the waves in Perth are really fucking crazy. And I just remember like getting caught in rips and having to be saved yeah. by lifesavers. I remember the shark alarm going off and there being like great whites out not that far from where we were swimming and we'd all just get back in the water. We were so laissez-faire. And now... No. Yeah, it's yeah. terrifying. All those those waves are fucking scary where we live. Like it's like mm-hmm. you go out a little bit and then you have to keep diving under or you're gonna get fucking like killed. Snatched. And then you and then sometimes you dive under but you don't go under far enough and it tosses you around and then you come up. This where we live is insane. And then you come up and you go to take a breath of air, but it's another wave and it knocks you under again. Like that has happened to me so many yeah. times where I've just been like, I'm on death's door, like on Blue Crush. Yes. 
And that's why that's why I'm always like, how do people surf? Because when you surf, that happens, but you have this like extremely heavy thing tied to your body that like drags you further down or can like knock you around. Well, that thing pulls you up though because it floats. Yeah, <laughs> drags you further down. You're wearing like, you a boulder down. on your leg. <laughs> that's kind of probably how they survive. Um, <laughs> but it makes it hard yeah. to dive under the waves because it's so. Yes, that's what I, yeah. Yes. <laughs> My dad told me this story and he is prone to exaggeration, but he told me a story that he was meant to go skydiving years and years and years ago in England <laughs> and that he like chickened out last minute and to, like two or three weeks later, it was probably like two years later, but the school he was going to do it at got shut down because they did a dive and someone dove into the propeller of a helicopter and died, obviously died. And the school got shut down. And it was like this huge law, like legal case. Oh, my God. Is that not the most harrowing story? That's so crazy. Yeah, I'm so scared now. Anyway, we need to carry on. But I was just thinking the other day, like, even in cars sometimes. Like, I'll just be in a car. And yes. I'm like, we could die any minute. And we just act like this is all chill and fine. Like, so often you're in a car and someone then just, like, swerves or, like, slams on the brakes or, like, whatever. We're in Italy and, like... In Puglia, the roads are tiny and weird and it's dark. And it's just like every second I feel like I could. Yeah. Anyway. This is the, this is why you shouldn't learn to drive at 29 years old. Because you're so aware of how insane it is that you are allowed to be behind a like motorized half a ton vehicle that is a, de- a killing machine. That's probably you a choose. good thing. It's, you're better off not knowing. You're better learning when you're young, I think. Yeah, yeah, because then you actually do it. But I do think there are way too many people that are allowed licenses. Like, you need to chop those mm-hmm. things up. And we, we should have to retest every, like, 10 years mm-hmm. or something. For sure. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> that's the end of the episode, girls. <laughs> See you next week. <laughs> Bye. Um, okay, I've been watching And Just Like That today. And I was watching it on the couch at like 11 a.m. And I just thought, I love my life. (laughs) I know. Grace often puts her phone on do not disturb. And then I have like a breakdown because only one tick happens. And it like does things to my brain where I'm like, maybe she won't look at her phone again forever. So anyway, I emailed her. Instagrammed her and texted her and she was just watching and just like that on the couch. You are so funny though. I do think that's one of your like most endearing coolest like genuinely coolest traits i was speaking to amara about it over amara and will about it over lunch i was like she just doesn't look at her phone in like such a like (laughs) insanely cool and (laughs) what is the word where you want to be the person (laughs) like um thing way and I was saying that, like, the other day I texted you and was like, oh, maybe don't come run now because there's builders playing that techno version of, like, push me and then just touch me until I can get some satisfaction. And then I – and then you – like, don't – don't she doesn't look at her phone at all. It's been, like – it's been, like, 45 minutes and the text hasn't <laughs> sent. And I was like, oh, I guess it just doesn't matter if she comes around or not. And then I look out the window and you're just, like, wandering down the street. <laughs> like slowly walking down the street towards me. And I was like, it's so crazy to me that like 
you can walk 20 minutes from your house to mine <laughs> and you don't have like the thought to look at your phone like I love oh it I'm, I sound like I'm talking shit but I'm genuinely like that is so fucking cool it just gives me too much anxiety it's just a it's just a coping mechanism to deal yeah. with this this horrible world I was listening to I was looking at a TikTok the other day where people were talking about like how people lived before phones and like how they made plans and stuff and you'd like make a plan and you'd say let's meet which we remember because when we we're in high school we didn't Maybe you had like a Nokia brick to text, but text costs money. So you'd literally be like, I will be at the movies at 3 p.m. And then you'd just stand around and wait if someone was late. And I was like, those were the glory days. I love that. It's That's all you really need. Bring back a landline. <laughs> yeah. I'm way too, like me and Amar are way too available on our phones. Like it's like I just constantly am on which which I think I've gone so far with it that it makes me Mm. feel really stressed if I'm not on it because of anxiety like I like the other day when we got locked out of our Airbnb on Friday um we're in Naples and I was like having a full breakdown because I was getting my period and it was like that day and we went out at 10 in the morning and then couldn't get back into our Airbnb until 6 p.m. And I literally had like thought up every example of, I guess it's mm-hmm. different when you have it on you and you're choosing not to touch it. But I thought up every different example of like mm. various people having died by the time I got to my phone or just work stuff, like anything. I'm like, anything could have bloody happened. Yes. I think I read Jaron Lanier, that guy's book about 10 reasons to break up with your phone. And that was very quite life-changing for me and he didn't really say anything that we don't know but it just the way he spelled it out and the way that like those things you're talking about is almost like it's planted in our brain the anxiety of being off our phones to keep us addicted to it and then you just like if you just did one weekend where you turned your phone off and put it in a drawer for the weekend and like told you know what I mean told key people whatever um you feel so anxious for the first day and then the second day you're kind of the like thing and then you turn on your phone and nothing's happened and you're like wow this is we are all just yeah in this like mass psychosis I think it's that thing of everyone needing to be in the same wavelength with it because it's like what will happen is because I assume you're going to be on your phone like I'm on my phone then I'll contact you about work stuff like kind of urgently in like in a scat annoying way and then you like, you know what I mean? Like I marked up the time for this podcast recording because I am ADD and can't work out time zones. And then I'm like, oh God, I desperately need to get in touch with her. But I know that she won't be on her phone. But then it's like, if we just, it's things like if you didn't have a phone, we would have just organized the time for this call days ago. And I would have had to be like, okay, well, I have this, this and this. So it has to be this time and that's that. And then actually life is so much mm-hmm. more chill. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But you, you're like, you're hundred percent right because people do now expect you to respond straight away. And you do get like, if you don't yeah. respond to an email, people chase you up on WhatsApp two hours later and people do need answers to stuff extremely yeah. quickly. Like it's not all in our heads. It is the reality we live in now, but you can just slowly make people realize that you're not reliable. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I know everyone shits on it and it's like our guilty watch that we hate watch or whatever, blah, blah, blah. When I was watching it, I just thought, I'm really glad this exists and that I can watch it. But the the writing, the writing is bonkers. <laughs> some of it is like, it really is crazy, some of the dialogue yes. that's in there. For a show that could get like, I don't want to shit on the writers specifically, but just for a show where like anyone in the world would want to write on it. And where the original was so good and funny and sharp and quick and clever. I just find some of the scenes like mind boggling. I mean, I, yeah, I agree with you. I think, I think that's the thing about it is it's like people shit on it because it's not as good as the original Six in the City. And then they do all that awkward, like whatever, trying to be woke stuff, which is really fucking cringe. But then I, I agree. I just loved watching it. I was watching it just now in a little restaurant with my iPhone out and um, it was an Elton John remix of Tiny Dancer and all the women walking in to like fuck their husbands on the bed and I was like I love this show yes I love that they go to the Met Gala like I just love the fan they've done such a good job of like taking the original thing of it being like a fantasy and doing that for now. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it's ludicrous that these four women would be going to the Met Gala. Like it's just bizarre, but they're getting like couture Valentino made. Like it's, I just love it. It's just fab and silly and camp and ridiculous and really fun to watch. And some of it is, some of it is really funny. Anthony's lines were all really funny. Yes, I agree. I I loved Miranda and the sensory deprivation tank because those things fucking suck. I Have you been don't in one? think I could hack one of those. It's like me wearing these earpods <laughs> right now. It was hell on earth because it was like you have to put earbuds in because the no. salt. I don't know. I was like, this is stressful, man. Like the salt is the water is so salty to keep you buoyant. <laughs> And then the thing you close and you're, you're naked, which is like already confronting enough as it is floating around in this little bubble. And then the air things keep falling out. So you're like, well, salt's getting in my ears and now I'm going to die, but I need to be chill and relaxed and should be like meditating. Yeah. But I'm just thinking about all the salt in my You're saying that, yeah, fills me with anxiety. I would not be relaxed. Yeah. The actresses are doing such a great job. Like, they're just doing their darndest. Like, SJP, I just love her. I love Cynthia Nixon. I love all of them. And all the new actresses are amazing. Like, everyone is fantastic. Um, it's just that conversation with Carrie and the guy on the bed in the opening 10 minutes where she was like, I'm going to try to cook. And he's like, oh, 
No, she, he's like, I like cooking shows. And she's like, oh, I can't cook. And he says, oh, I like to cook. And then she says, sometimes I cook salmon. And he goes, mmm, salmon. That sounds... I was like, what is this conversation? This is literally crazy. And she goes, I might learn to poach an egg. And didn't he say, is salmon hard? I was like, have you never cooked salmon when you say you like to cook? <laughs> it was, there was no like chemistry, no subtext. I was like, who is this guy? I forgot who the fuck that was. <laughs> I was like, everything about this is so random like carrie's like sassy she's got the one-liner she's quick she's funny she's a writer she's like i was like what is this chat that never went anywhere i fucking love sarah jessica parker so then i read the big piece on her what even was that new york magazine new yorker i think new yorker yeah um read the big piece on her which was such an incredible profile started with her working in her SJP collection store, which is coincidentally, she, she says on, um, like on the exact bus route for the sex in the city tour. So people on the bus tour, like can get off and buy her shoes. And she was just like, that was just the cheapest real estate, whatever. Tell the truth, Sarah. Yes. And she works in the store once a week. And literally helps people try shoes on. And that's true because if a girl I know recently walked in and she was there and she helped her pick a pair of shoes and got photos with her and was like the nicest, completely organically. Why the fuck did I not know this when I last went to New York? That I don't know what day it is. Yeah. Well, I'll go. I would go every day, <laughs> every day till she arrives, all day. Yeah. So, and then it talks about. I don't know. It was just cool because. It's that weird thing of like being a fan of someone for ages. And then I was reading this profile and I was like, I actually know nothing about this woman. And I feel like I've never read a profile into her life in depth. Like I knew she was a Mm -hmm. Broadway girl, but I just didn't know her backstory of like how much of an incredible Broadway actress she was and that she dated Robert Downey Jr. for seven years. I did not know that went completely over my head. Mm -hmm. And JFK Jr. And JFK Jr. What the fuck? She's fucking iconic. She's literally so iconic. She's so important. In the summer of 1991, Parker McJohn Kennedy Jr. at the theater. <laughs> she's so chic. She also just the way she she's was so like chic. on Broadway and she said her, she said that TV was underneath her mum. So she didn't want to tell her mum that she was like going for sex in the city. But then also the way that uh, what I love about her is she's just an incredible Broadway actor, like really well respected in the industry, does sex in the city it blows up. She continues to do Broadway shows. And she was just like, um, some of the, she was just like, I'm a working actor. Some things I do will be successful and others won't. And that's always what I expected out of my career. She just mm. seems really down to earth and kind of got her head on her for someone with like the levels of fame she has. It feels like she just has no ego in that way. Yes. And she's, she took, I think people, this happens a lot. Like, I didn't know Cynthia Nixon as well is like a Broadway girly, serious actress, like a like hugely talented Kim Cattrall, obviously all of them. We watch Sex and the City and think it's this fun, just kind of silly girly show. And they're all like incredibly talented, like actors who put so much thought and energy into their performances. And that's why the end result is so good. But you just, mm. that's all happening like beneath the surface. Like, you know, the stories about how Sarah Jessica Parker would, stay in her heels like go like method with Carrie and like not change out of her heels between takes and whatever I love that stuff yeah yeah exactly they're just they're actually really incredible actors um 
Yeah. I think that, yeah, I think that's the thing about it is you think it's like frivolous and silly. And then you look at their acting and you're just like, you guys are so fucking spot on. So what they say in this piece as well. Um, yeah, she, she said she said that she remembers her husband, Matthew, reading their Sex in the City script and saying, if you do this, you might become too famous because they loved being just like that normal level mm. of respected Broadway actor. So, so fucking cool. Mm-hmm. So she said, yeah, part of what persuaded her was the strength of the pilot script, the last scene in particular, which is when Mr. Big gives her a ride home in his car and she gets out and taps on the window and asks, have you ever been in love? And he answers with a grin, absolutely. And she said that um, Parker saw in it all these possibilities. She said, it's New York, it's this girl. (laughs) Mm. About like, watching him drive away and yeah yeah um and then yeah it talks about how she's this incredible comedian as well and how the thing for for that kind of encompasses carrie bradshaw is her falling so you know how she in the intro sequence she wobbles and kind of falls in the tutu as a bus splashes her with gutter water and in the series she like falls into a country into a mud pit at a country cabin and then she skids belly first across um, a Dior boutique and then mm. um, in the episode where she's strutting down the fashion then the fashion show and she's and she falls and wipes out and Stanford screams she's fashion roadkill <laughs> and she does all, well she obviously does that herself but that's her actually fully falling and like injuring herself um, and then they say in this piece like Tom Cruise who does his own stunts for Mission Impossible Parker <laughs> welcomes the physical effort of embodying Carrie could Cruz run several blocks in Louboutin mules? For one such scene of Sex in the City, Parker refused the offer of a body double. You have to remember I was a ballet dancer. I've got bad stuff all over my feet now. Huge marks and bumps, but it's a badge of honor. Oh, I love it. And it's true. She did do all her own stunts. Yeah. <laughs> Special girly. Yeah. Love it. Love her. Yeah. She's like, people are, people are, right to say that samantha was kim cattrall as samantha was a huge amount of like glue that held the show together in a lot of ways that's definitely true and you feel her absence a lot in and just like that but sarah jessica parker is like just such a star like every time she's on screen i just can't look away from her i could just watch her like sit and read a magazine for 40 minutes i just like she just created one of the most iconic characters of all time with carrie and i think it's I was thinking watching it today how a big critique is people are saying like these ca- this show's ruined the legacy of the show because these characters are nothing like they were in the original series. But I think there's something – because I know that Sarah Jessica Parker and Cynthia Nixon and Kristen Davis are all so smart, I think there's something kind of amazing about that in a way because I think you do change you're not that you're not going to be the same like vivacious fun loving outgoing partying thing person that you were in your late 20s and early 30s in your mid 50s and like you do mellow out and become quieter or different or I don't know I just think that there's something kind of cool about the way the characters have changed yeah I agree um I also think what's cool about it is that despite them having all of these careers beyond sex in the city that they don't want to 
that all of them don't try and be like, oh, that was just that embarrassing thing we did in our past or we're serious actors now and like trying to escape the franchise. And I, and I love that Sarah Jessica Parker's never felt like she was too good to be known for Carrie Bradshaw. She's always embraced how important that was for her fans. But she also said that she um, doesn't watch herself on screen and to this day hasn't seen many Sex in the City episodes. Wow. I do kind of get that. It's like how yeah. I feel we we feel listening to our voices yes. back. It would be yeah. even worse with your face. But if I got if I was SJP, I would be rewatching that shit all the time just for how hot she looked. I know in those episodes. She still looks so fucking hot. She's so fucking hot. She looks phenomenal. Like just gorgeous. There was actually an interview Kristen Davis did um, talking about her fillers from last season and how much shit she got. And this is an interesting can of worms. Is she's she's like a literal sweetheart. She seems really similar to Charlotte. And she just said, you know, it's like a really hard one because I knew everyone in Hollywood got work done and I knew we were doing this show and people are like accustomed to seeing me looking a certain way. So I kind of just went to the doctor and got this shit done because I didn't know. I just had no idea. And she said something like, none of my friends told me, like no one told me it looked, it didn't look good before I started filming. And like, I kind of wish someone had now. And I was just thinking like, that's such an interesting thing because you kind of – if she literally didn't know and she – like, it, you know, everyone kind of talked about it just it, – it looked slightly uncanny and, and uncomfortable to look at because it looked like she'd just gone and suddenly got a bunch of work done. Like, do your friends have an obligation to tell you? I know. I think that all the time because I also think it's such like a slipping slide mm-hmm. with that sort of stuff that people will get something done, like the smallest thing or whatever, got their lips done like a bit. And then it's like, obviously you get used to that over time and you start to think Mm -hmm. that's normal. And it could just be like the tiniest amount that like is normal and like not noticeable. And obviously there are different, whatever, people can like get really big, like we fucking love Chloe Cherry, like get really big lips if like that's the look you want. But I know these people are wanting to look natural, like they haven't had anything done. And then they'll get a little bit more Mm. And then a little bit more because you're you're getting used to what the new normal is. It's like COVID. Mm-hmm. And then you, yeah, you, you just start to look crazy. And it's like, when is someone going to, yeah, what is your duty as a friend to be like, oh, like it'd be such a hard conversation to be like, oh, it looks like you're getting a bit too much. Or I don't know. That's what I mean. It's, it's, this is why these super direct people that are abrasive are great to have around everyone Mm. needs a like at least one friend like that who'll just give it to them straight from a place of love because the problem is the people that you're closest enough to be that honest with are not that many because you need to hear it from someone who you 100% are like they're saying this because they've got my back and I know that they love me and they're not being a dick yeah but you also the problem is you do that shit from a place of insecurity and if you're doing something from a place of insecurity you're not going to be like what do you think like oh my god what do you think like you're you're going to be discreet about it and hide it so as a friend if someone hasn't given you the in to put your opinion in you're not going to just do it unprompted yeah but then that's like how I, this shit happens yeah like i had someone saying to me the other day like it's just it's just so obvious that she has quite a lot of work done and she's like really open about it like she doesn't she's mm-hmm. not hiding it but she thinks that if she didn't tell me I wouldn't know and then mm-hmm. I was just like 
And then my boyfriend was like, she has had so much work done. Like, it's so obvious. And I was like, oh, because even like, because obviously he, he just takes him like so much to pick up on anything. You literally said to me once that like, you can tell fake boobs from a mile away because he saw someone with like double E, like Geordie yeah. or fake tits. And I was like, dude, like half my friends have fucking fake tits. Like, and they're like chic C cups. Like half the, half the girlies walking around with no bra on have fake tits. And like yeah. they look amazing. It's just you're noticing the really extreme examples. So yeah, it's but yeah, promise swear on the podcast. Always have each other's backs if we start getting crazy facelifts. A hundred percent. It's it's it's. I've just really felt for her. Yeah. When she was saying that, because I was just like, it's. She wasn't saying it like she blamed her friends or anything. She just said that comment in passing. But she was just saying, like, it, like all of a sudden, everyone online is saying something that no one in my life has said to me at all, you know? And, like, that's a very weird disconnect. Yeah. That to know everyone around you thought that way. You know Kim Cattrall's coming back, right? Yes. So yes, I do. Kim Cattrall's coming back for, like, a scene and variety. So this is interesting. This is what I just got from the New Yorker piece. Variety linked to the news she'll be returning in the season two finale for a phone conversation scene that she'd filmed without seeing or speaking with any of her co-stars. The tabloids scoured the story for evidence. As in the past, Parker has practiced a tight lips diplomacy. Like it's the weirdest thing to be told we're in a cat fight. (laughs) like classic line. Um, And then she said Michael Patrick King begged her not to discuss the Cattrall cameo in this piece, but she did admit I am in the scene. Oh, she's in the scene. So it's not like some cop out where Kim Cattrall's not with the other girl. She's like in the scene. Ah, yeah, that's exciting. Are you, this is like when you read something like this profile on SJP and like anyone who I know who has interacted with her in any way, like not as a journalist interviewing her, like as a person who's basically been in one of her pop up shops and talked to her. And I understand she's literally selling a product. So she's putting on a thing but she just everything about her seems so cool and low-key and normal and like dare I say nice we don't know these people but like she gets on so well with everyone else in the cast she's never like and she did say that at the time with the thing she just said no like it's just not part of her career since she was a child to have any beef or issues with anyone that I also love and I'm obsessed with Kim Cattrall and I just feel like there's this weird miscommunication at the heart of this whole thing yeah and I want to I want to go in and solve it just want the girls to get on again I know um I want to be their friendship therapist I know yeah they talked in the piece which (laughs) I basically pasted this entire interaction that um this woman walked in to the shop and asked for a UK size seven and then Sarah Jessica Parker was like, don't worry, I can do the conversions. If you have the patience, we have the time. And then she went and disappeared into the basement and returned with a size 40. Girls, the, the podcast girlies shoe size. This is like triggering. Then she squatted down in front of this woman. And then she goes, to, so Sarah, she goes, you shouldn't have to struggle this hard, she said, as she tried to coax the shoe over Hugh Gill's heel. And oh. then I'm like, that's me in like every single shop being like, I'm a size 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40. 40. <laughs> Parker leaped up, pivoted around, leaving a little swirl in a pile of carpet. And then minutes later, she returned with a stack of boxes and a size oh, 41. She's rustling around for a 41. She's, and she's trying to do it politely. Last big, big girl size in the shop. Um, 
And then, yeah, anyway, she put it, she put the shoe on and it fit. And then this woman said that was maybe the best customer service I've ever had. Oh, God. She has put on a show for the New Yorker and the New Yorker has lapped it up. I know. But this is really funny as well. She took her to the ballet. They hung out so much, but she, the um, Sarah Jessica Parker refused to let them hang out at her house because she was like, I just don't bring my kids or my husband into it. But they went to the ballet and she was just like, what does one wear to the ballet with, with like fucking Carrie mm. Bradshaw? So she wore this blue gown and then she was meeting Sarah Jessica Parker beforehand and she walked into like the restaurant wherever she was meeting her and SJP was wearing jeans and a button down shirt and then kept telling <laughs> her how pretty she looked. <laughs> Sarah Jessica Parker is just that woman who just knows like knows exactly how to dress for exactly every single thing. Don't you think? Like, mm. I just think that she's the person you would just, whatever she was wearing in a situation, you'd be like, oh, I wish I was wearing that. Yeah. So as then it, she as goes, in that situation. So then a fan came over and she's talking to this, to this fan. And then she, and she goes, you looked beautiful. I noticed you right away. She said to the woman who was putting on a fur coat, then pointing to me, she added, can you believe how nicely she's dressed for the ballet? <laughs> Stop. Maybe she's the queen of passive aggression, and that's yeah. why I'm control. Like with that, I was just like, "That's such a funny thing to put in the piece." Like, what are you saying? What are you saying yeah. with this? What are you saying with this? Yes, unpack it's that. It's very true. Okay, so on to another great profile about the and just like that season two, um, Sarah Sarah Ramirez was interviewed for the cut, and just makes for the most iconic reading. It's so fascinating this like huge gaping generational gap on the topic of like queer inclusion and pride that's taking place on and just like that. I know. Yeah. What I found funny about this piece was like Sarah Ramirez being super adamant that they're acting in and just like that. And, and just like that isn't based off them. And then the writer kept pulling out like the re- this really funny shit, like being like, um, Shay Diaz introduces themselves in the first episode of Just Like That as a queer non-binary Mexican Irish diva. And then they go, quoting Sarah Ramirez, I'm an actor. I'm not the characters I play. I'm not Shay Diaz. For the record, Ramirez's Instagram bio describes themselves as abolitious and a Mexican <laughs> Irish non-binary human. <laughs> abolitious is so... It's it's just so cursed. It's so, so like trapped in twenty twenty energy, like nuts. I what I loved about this is I think so. There was this huge backlash, kind of tongue in cheek backlash to the Shay Diaz character, and you wondered how aware of that Sarah. Mar- you wondered how aware of that Sarah Ramirez was and like what they made of it and if they knew about it and if it's this character creation or whatever. And then you read this piece and just realize that they have no understanding of what the backlash is and where it's coming from. (laughs) And they kind of both Sarah and Cynthia Nixon both kind of write it off as being like queer phobia. (laughs) And they like the people they think are criticizing Shay Diaz is like, complete opposite of who he is and what's what yes. what is the writer's line <laughs> that is really really funny the lame thing oh yeah we're okay 
Back in the park, Ramirez waves away the side eyes about Shay, saying anyone who benefits from patriarchy is going to have a problem with Shay Diaz. When I try to tell Nixon some of my own mixed feelings, she asks, like a therapist, do you want to unpack that to me? Both actors seem to believe their action has more to do with societal discomfort around gender non-conforming people rather than a hope coming from actual queer people that we would be portrayed as less lame. (laughs) I love this piece. Why am I not a brave writer like this person? It is so, it is so, so, so good. It's so, um, yeah, just like perfectly captured. And it makes, it makes the show more iconic in many ways. Like these, these, this chaotic, because in this piece, one of the writers says, and I have no doubt this is true, that there's a bunch of young, very cool, very talented writers who are working on this show. And the writer said something like, we find it really uncharitable that the fans who roast Shay Diaz don't think we're in on the joke. Like, we're in on the joke. We are contributing to Shay being this specific character. But then when you're watching it, you're like, well, it doesn't feel like the show's in on the joke because I can never figure out what we're supposed to think of Shay from the show's perspective. Because it sounded like from Michael Patrick King or whatever his name is, when he went on Evan... Ross Katz's podcast that he was saying that it was meant to be this great romantic love story that the viewers were meant to fully get on board with and be so excited for Miranda. But then Shay always treats Miranda like absolute garbage. Yes. And their interactions are really strange. Like Shay will be really mean and then they'll end up having a little hug. Like the Shay's where she said that thing boy. of Yeah. Where there's that scene where Shay's being really like mean to Miranda and then says, I'm on a diet and I'm really ashamed of it. And I, I am feeling really bad about myself because of something they said to me in the wardrobe. And then Miranda hugs them. And then I was like, what is the tone of this scene? Is it meant to be, are we like a really empathizing with Shay in this? Do we think Miranda's stuck in a toxic relationship? Yeah. Like what is, it's confusing. So I don't really think the show does, is in on the joke in the way that the writers say they are. Yeah, or well, like, I couldn't understand. I was like, I don't really understand what's going on when Miranda was like, I want, Miranda was like trying to put that strap on, on which like, let's just not even go <laughs> there. It. Yeah. And um, <laughs> then Shay was just, then Miranda was like, gave up on that idea and then was like, let's get dinner and go to your show tonight. And Shay was all like cagey about that and was like, no, I haven't like worked out my set stuff. And I was like, oh, are you just joking about Miranda? Has that did that happen? I just feel like maybe I zoned out. No. Yeah, that's what I thought, but it didn't show that. Yeah, it didn't and then show Miranda that. does go to the show. Yeah, and then it was just fine. And Shay's like, "Don't hug me. I'm at work." Yeah, I was like, "This is like a borderline emotionally abusive relationship." I'm yeah. so confused. Bring back Steve. Who would have? Yeah, thought? and also like obviously we're not going to fucking be super on board with Shay and Miranda when Miranda was such a cunt to Steve, who we fucking love. Poor deaf Steve. <laughs> Poor beleaguered Steve. Exactly. So it's interesting to watch that unfold. I need to bring out a line of dialogue which really killed me. Please. Carrie doing her podcast, which is called Sex in the City. And that guy who every time I see him, I'm like, who are you again? And then I'm like, oh, wait, okay, yeah, he's <laughs> a love interest and he is. works at her podcast. Like, I just was like, who is he? And then she gets a call in and they say, we're in this weird relationship place. And she goes, first of all, relationship place is a great name for a restaurant. What? Yes. What? 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 
Am I like missing a meaning on that? That is the craziest <laughs> sentence that's ever appeared in a show. And then they I reference know. it again later. The what? boyfriend's like, oh, we better not go to the relationship place restaurant. Like, oh my God. What am I missing? I don't like Sarah Jessica Parker, gorgeous, talented actress. Broadway star. I'm seeing that in the script. Broadway star. First of all, relationship place is a great name for a restaurant. It isn't. <laughs> <laughs> In any realm, like I don't name. We have to name our podcast episode that. And then the next one, bartender. I'll have what she's reading. What? Oh my god! Yeah. Wait, <laughs> what's going on? I couldn't remember what's going on with um, thingy and her husband. What is going on there? He's off like in a band. They wanted to have kids, and he didn't. Maybe, and he's on oh. tour. <laughs> With the hippie girl. (laughs) That was really funny. That was funny when she said, who is Heidi in a hat? I love that. Yeah, and then like called her a hippie and like hung up on him. (laughs) Uh... But like bartender, I'll have what she's read. I'm like, that is just not funny in like any universe Mm -hmm. for a show that is so funny. And if a man came up to me, even a man that looked like that and said that at a bar, I'd be like, pardon? Yeah. Absolutely not. <laughs> I also forgot that Miranda was an alcoholic. That was like such a left turn last season. Yeah, that's like, Why right. Is she an AA meeting. <laughs> this that's doesn't... right. They put too much on Miranda last season. I know. I know. We like all forgot about the alcoholic plotline, which obviously made way more sense with Charlotte. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> Miranda was giving everything last season. Carrie was just like doing nothing. Um, Carrie was grieving. I loved, I loved the end of episode one where she wore the wedding dress and she came out with, I, that actually made me a bit teary. Yes. It was beautiful. And now, and then she said something, what was the line? And it's like, kind of makes you feel like last season she was in this grief bubble. It wasn't completely Carrie, Carrie. And now she's like back. But then Aiden returns, which I'm like. I'm quite excited about this season. Aiden, fucking Samantha. Same. Yeah, Aiden, Aiden. Yeah, it's exciting. One other thing I will bring up, and I thought this to myself, and then I went on TikTok and, and saw it, and I felt very validated, was there's a sloppiness to the show that bothers me where Harry says something, 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 my mother, and she's been dead for 10 years. And I said, no, she hasn't, because when you and Charlotte got together back in whenever the hell it was, 2002, she, he said to her, my wife needs to be Jewish to make my mother happy. And then Charlotte's like, oh my God, another monster mother-in-law. And then he said, I promised her before she died. And Charlotte goes and the music rings in her ears and she's so happy that Harry has a dead mother. That's like, right. We all know that. Like how can you as the showrunners not, <laughs> not know, know that when you're putting that, that in the script? These are the little details. <laughs> SJP has such attention to detail. I'm like, how did she miss it? Yeah, I guess it's not she her job. The show, <laughs> and she wasn't in that scene. She hasn't seen the and show. Care. Um, but yeah, there's there there is this like element of sloppiness to it where it doesn't. The fans love it so deeply and so much, and it's like feels like the show doesn't love itself as much as the people who are watching it. Yeah, and that's why storylines like the Charlotte being an alcoholic storyline and the 
anything that like Chelsea and Lauren suggested in their predictions all was so much better as storylines than yeah. what they ended up doing. It's still so like fucking insane to me that those girls aren't in the writer's room. Same. Outrageous. Um because yeah, anything they suggested would have been also did you did you read in the piece like the only way and just like that happened was because Sarah Jessica Parker was messaging Michael Patrick King about starting a Six in the City podcast. I mean, it was before every outfit had launched theirs, but I was like, it just wouldn't have even. What's what I was thinking was really funny about it was that even if, if SJP launched a podcast, it wouldn't have been as good as it wouldn't have been as good yeah. or as popular as every outfit. As good or as popular, literally, yeah, yeah. Love, love, love. Very excited for what's to come. Must dash though. I've been drinking this yeah. hideously warm vino. What's Vino Bianco. Time to go for a little swim. Classic freelance fashion. Have too much, so much work on and it's just not even a fun, chill holiday. I know. Never ends, does it? Never, never ends. We shouldn't have to work. I never put an out of office on either. It's my own fault, like ever. Because I like just yeah. don't think people are going to email. <laughs> and then people and email and I'm like, well, I better do. get back. Um, okay, <laughs> bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. See you on Patreon. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Discover South Carolina.